Hello and welcome to the PD Performance Podcast, a solo episode for you guys today. Unfortunately, we had another high-profile guest fall through at the last minute, but as I always say, just because it wasn't the right time at the moment doesn't mean it won't be the right time ever. So hopefully we will get that guest back on in the future, maybe this season, maybe another season. But for this week, it's going to be another episode for you guys with me talking about something that I've been thinking about in the last week or so and hopefully providing some value and uh, verbalizing my thoughts for you guys on a topic that hopefully you will determine to be valuable and you will enjoy listening to. Our subscribers are going up, which is good and must be a good thing given that we've been doing a lot of solo podcasts and we have had some very very good guests on but if there's anybody you would like to hear from in the near future then uh, shoot me a message and I will be sure to get in contact with them and it will be great to have more guest conversations for you guys we obviously have planned to just things have not been lining up yet but as the GAA season continues and more teams Uh, get knocked out of the championship I have a feeling that we will have more opportunities to talk to some players some coaches um, given that they will have a little bit more time and probably will have a little bit more ownership over their own time and their ability to talk to people that they want to talk to so today's conversation or today's podcast is in regards to a conversation that I had with a young coach uh, at the weekend No, it was actually last week I had this conversation with the young coach. And what it was, was I was post a conversation with my management team that I'm working with down in Ballantubber. And they've been going quite well. Obviously, we had Killian playing last week and we came away with a win and he had a great game. But of the couple of goals that were scored, um, Cahill decided to send me through clips of the goals and he could see a direct transfer of what we had been working on in terms of development of game speed and microdosing our speed and our change of direction work pre-training on our midweek training sessions in the goals that were scored. So I thought they were fantastic examples of game speed, one of a break up the field in transition and hitting a high speed in transition, maybe not maximal velocity, but definitely close to it. So I alluded to the fact that improving maximum velocity is going to increase the anaerobic speed reserve of the player, and then they'll be able to tolerate lower intensities a little bit easier and hopefully get through more high-speed running throughout the game. And the second one was of a player taking on a man one-on-one, beating him, going past him, and then sticking it in the bottom left-hand corner, which was obviously fantastic. So an example of change of direction, beating a player one-on-one, and something that we have been working on weekly since the start of the season in my system that I have been Uh, using and implementing with the help of Connor, who's been doing great. Uh, He's been working down there in Ballantubber with me going down periodically and me doing the programming and talking him through implementation of the programming. So the question that was posed or the statement that was made by the young coach was, I feel that you're taking credit for uh, these scenarios or these execution of these tasks and uh, I feel like it's conjecture because I don't think you can take credit for that and I had a conversation with the young coach and I had 
a good chat with him actually and he kind of went back a little bit in regards to what he had been saying once we had that conversation and we hashed it out because as I described to him I am not taking whole credit for that action happening on the field and that player being successful in beating the man and sticking it in the bottom corner or in that player transitioning and then sticking it in in the net as well. There are so many factors that play into success in a game of football or in a game of hurling. Ultimately, I can only put the athletes in a position that they can create more opportunities for themselves on the field and then hopefully have a better chance of executing under pressure in those opportunities. But ultimately, it is the athlete who we have to give the credit to because they have executed the skill and they've put the hard work in over the weeks in order to put themselves into a position to execute successfully and to achieve success in the task. Now, his point was he feels that the sports coaches have more of an impact than an SNC coach in the execution of a goal scoring opportunity. And absolutely they do. First off, it's the player. Then it's the sport coach. I'm not telling anybody how to finish, but I am coaching them and helping guide them to having more opportunities to beat players one on one in training, which therefore is going to give them more reps, improve their efficiency and effectiveness. And then hopefully that will transfer to the field in that they'll be more effective at beating players one-on-one and then they'll be presented with that goal-scoring opportunity. They still have to finish that and I'm not going to coach them on how to finish. That's not my job. Everything that I am doing or part of what I am doing comes before that. I'm also improving their fitness levels, their aerobic and anaerobic capacity through the use of whatever means I'm using for conditioning at that time. It may be tempo, it may may be small-sided games, it may be top-ups, it may be multi-directional tempo, it could be any sort of uh, dribble conditioning, it could be uh, sprints, it could be anything. But I am putting the athlete in a position that they will be able to execute and create more opportunities on the field. But I'm not taking credit for that. But at the same time, the conversation that I had with the athlete was we have to get to a stage as coaches where, sure, we're not taking full credit for anything, but we have to get some gratification somehow and say like, okay, good, that player did that and I have been helping them to do that in training. So I feel good about myself that it seems like I may have played a part in that. As well as that, me putting those posts and those videos up on Instagram was a way of rewarding the player for fantastic execution of the skill. So true positive reinforcement, hopefully those players and other players that I work with are going to be more likely to attempt to work on those skills in training and then hopefully take players on -on one-on-one in games to try and showcase those skills. So it's not just about me. It's about the player. Although at the same time as coaches, And as a businessman, it has to be somewhat about the coaching and the business at some stage. So you've got to showcase what you're doing. So I don't think there's anything inherently wrong with showcasing success in what you're working on with your athletes. In fact, I think you should be doing that as long as the athletes are okay with it. However, the number one thing as a businessman and as a coach is to get good results, number one. If you get good results, you'll have positive word of mouth and you'll get more referrals as a result. 
But after that, from a marketing perspective, you've got to showcase and attract clients and attract people and eyes to what you're doing, because that's the only way you're going to get leads that aren't direct referrals, which is important as well if you're going to grow as a business as much as you want to grow. And ultimately, as a businessman, you do want the business to grow. I always say that my mission is to improve the standard of care in the GAA for SNC and improve the level of education in regards to SNC in the GAA. But that only works and that only happens if the business is functioning. So in order for the business to function, I've got to get people into the business and get them success and guide them towards success. And in order to get people into the business and guide them towards success, I need to attract them. And that's why we put things on social media. It's a shop window for people that may be suited to the programming, to, to our system and to working with us. If we attract the right clientele, we'll be able to get them good results. And we have been getting good results. Like some of the feedback from the lads in the management team has been phenomenal. Like they, they're amazed with the implementation of a program that is holistic and something slightly different because they have had trouble in the past, as many GA clubs have, in regards to adherence to an SNC program throughout the year. Adherence has been phenomenal. And then feedback from within the group, from players I've been speaking to and other coaches that I've been talking to is fantastic. They say that they feel better in the second half than they have before. Lads that have come back into the group have been amazed with the speed of play that the lads have been able to output or the maximum speeds they've been able to output and their ability to keep going in the second half. Like, these are all positives that you have to take as a coach and as a performance coach, SNC coach, and as a businessman in that you have to assess whether you're making change and making substantial and significant change in the people you're working with. And all of these pieces of feedback are positive. So why would I not say that, look what I am doing, I feel like I'm doing a good job. Ultimately, the athletes and the coaches that you're working with are the ones that get to determine whether you're doing a good job or not. But true feedback by those coaches and those athletes, then we can attempt to feel good about ourselves because we want to feel good about ourselves in the job that we're doing. I've spoken before about I tie a lot of my self-worth to my ability as a coach and my effectiveness in the working world. And I used to do it as an athlete and now it's more as a coach. And some of that is probably not the most healthy thing in the world, but it makes me feel pretty good about myself when things are going well. And the important thing is that now I am diluting it a little bit in that now I'm assessing how effective and if I'm being a good friend, a good brother, a good son, uh, a good cousin, a, a good nephew, etc. It's not all about, and a good golfer as well, let's not forget to golf. Um, it's not all about the coaching, but at the same time, I would say a significant amount of my self-worth is tied to how well I do and how well my teams do and my athletes do and how they're feeling. Because that's a large part of my life. Like I spend umpteen hours a day focused on coaching, improving my coaching process, improving the business, improving everything that I'm doing so that my athletes and my teams improve that I'm working with. And if they are improving and they're feeling good and they're giving me positive feedback, you bet your bottom dollar I'm going to shout about it on social media because it makes me feel good about myself and hopefully I'll be able to help more people as a result of doing that.
So I had the conversation with that coach and ultimately he probably didn't really understand the full scope of what I'm doing with the teams in that it's not just S&C, it's not just in the gym, it's not just that 10 minutes on the pitch. As a head of athletic development, I am helping the coaches to organize the training in terms of the rest periods, the work to rest ratios, in terms of what small sided games we're going to fit in, uh, what type of drills we're doing. I'm color coding the sessions based on what they should be doing, the length, duration of the session, um, what should be ticked off on that night in question, and what we should probably steer away from. So I'm getting more of a helicopter view of the whole program than just simply giving the athletes things to do in gym and things to do on the pitch. As well as that, we're progressively challenging the athletes in terms of their skill development and integrating it into the technical and tactical aspects of the game throughout the season. What I'm doing with each team is slightly different because each management team and each team that I'm working with need slightly different approaches. Like, with one team in particular, I might be helping them to identify what phase of tactical periodization or aspect of tactical periodization they're going to work on on a night in question. So I might help them to organize their monthly schedule in regards to what I've spoken about previously, whether we're focused on attack, uh, defense, transition to attack or transition to defense. And then we might pair specific skills with those like I've spoken about previously in regards to hurling, it could be blocking, it could be striking, it could be hand passing, it could be catching or fielding, etc. In football, vice versa. Obviously, no hooking <laughs> in football. And then obviously, we have had great success with our fundamentals that we've been employing as a result of a conversation I had with uh, an elite athlete and what they've been doing down in Australia. We have put in 15 minutes of isolated skill development work at the start of training in different scenarios that the athletes will find themselves on in or in on the field. And we've had great buy into that. Like we've had really, really good numbers at our sessions across the week. And it's only 15 minutes, but it's 15 minutes of focused work and reps that are concentrated and they are purposeful in terms of the practice. There is pressure on each rep. That could be time, spatial pressure. They are performed at intensity. And there is great value in stressing the system to execute under pressure, intensive pressure. Now, you can do extensive as well, and you can get the reps in in terms of just knocking the balls over the bar. But ultimately, that's probably not going to happen very often on game day, whereas on game day, you're going to be under pressure. So hopefully, if we put more stress on the system and we try to execute under pressure and they're keeping their execution level in and around 66% or two thirds of the time they're successful, then we're in a right optimal zone for development whereas when i see players knocking balls over the bar under pressure it's very rare that they're missing generally because they'll take from their favorite spots and that's important too but they're not really challenging themselves in terms of development there's value and merit in doing so but if you want to get better as a player you probably need to challenge yourself a little bit more so from that you can kind of see there is a lot to the job that I am doing, and it is simply not just what we're doing in the gym. Obviously, then we're doing the return to play and the rehab process too. And if we get a player back to playing and at a performance level better than when they got injured, I'm going to take 
some credit for that as well because I've worked closely in conjunction with that athlete. And when you spend that amount of time with an athlete, you really, really care about them. Like if somebody becomes re-injured, which I've had happen in the past, it really hurts. It really hits you. You really feel for them. You, you have a lot of empathy for them because you've been there in and out for all of the hours that they've put into their return to play in the rehab process. And ultimately, you'll be assessing your own system and saying, look, I need to improve things because obviously what I did did not achieve success. And success was that player returning to the pitch and not suffering re-injury. So you have to adapt, you have to change. And that's the benefit. You learn from your mistakes similar, similarly to what your players are doing. And just today, I was assessing our injuries as well and our acute injuries. And like that's one of the pieces of feedback that have come back from uh Ballantubber is like our injuries are down very significantly in that they haven't had a hamstring injury yet is what I was told which is absolutely insane considering we're at the end of June and they said they had an epidemic previously and uh, look I can't take ultimate credit that like I'm not going to say that I have all the answers but ultimately adherence to a structured program as well as continual and progressive exposure to sprint training and high speed running through tempo and getting better and more efficient in our change of directions and controlling the training environment ultimately probably has played a part in that and it's a significant change so what has changed for them well we've come in with a new system a new approach and the players have been more adherent than they have been previously so ultimately, the players being more adherent is down to them and they're reaping the rewards for it. But I have played a part in guiding them towards improved adherence and guiding uh, the coaches to structure the training sessions. And they must take credit as well because they have been really open to changing and they have been open to hearing me out and open to asking me questions and trying something new. And hopefully it continues to work. I'm interrupting this podcast to let you guys know that I have three spots available for coaching in July. This is for online coaching in the PD Performance Premium Pack or hybrid coaching if you would like more in-person coaching. I've been doing a lot of work with people in person in regards to return to play, development of speed and change of direction. So if you would like to grab one of those spaces, make sure to drop me a DM with the word coach immediately. These spaces will potentially go quite quickly and then I will start getting people into the program for August. So do not wait. I don't want you to miss out. Now, back to the podcast. And then I was assessing our injuries for one of the other teams that I'm working with and we're at where we were last year. However, and a big caveat, because I will always try to see the positive, unless there's significant uh, negatives to be seen, we are working with a smaller squad and we have played far more games this year than we did last year. So if we're on par with where we were last year and assessing those injuries, they haven't been as severe as last year, then ultimately we're probably moving forward and we are moving forward positively and we are making a significant difference. Now, can I change things and try to improve things? 
for next year absolutely and i'm always taking in information and seeing and assessing what can be changed and in relation to those injuries i'm assessing where they are most commonly occurring and how we can attempt to address those injuries but luckily enough the majority of them barring one have been all grade one so grade one uh, is relatively easy to deal with and as well as that we have been able to get those athletes back on the field quickly and out of those athletes none of them have become re-injured yet which is a huge 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 um positive obviously so not only are the athletes getting better but i'm probably getting better as well and i'm understanding and i am figuring out what works for different athletes because i've spent more time working with them and as well as that any snc work or any speed work change of direction work and conditioning that you put down as i've spoken about with athletes this week it's not only work for that season and that next few games it's work and a base that you're putting down and foundations that you're putting down for the years on top of that so like at this stage last year if i asked some of my ladies to sprint 50 meters or do a 10 meter fly with a 40 meter build in they would have looked at me like not a hope i haven't even done much of a warm-up we've only done six minutes i asked them to do it last night not a problem all of them went to the maximum all of them felt more comfortable and that has been true a couple of years of progressive exposure to more and more sprint volume and more and more strength training and getting them more robust in regards to tolerating that sprint volume and I probably do push the boat out and push them a little bit further in terms of the volumes that I look to get them through than other coaches would and I'm vocal about that as well because a lot of other coaches have questioned me and asked like well why don't you just do 20-30 meters because they're never going to sprint more than 20-30 meters in a game well they've Beckon might, and they better be prepared to do so if they are forced to sprint longer distances than that. And football is a game of transition, especially at the moment. There's quick transitions, get the ball up the field as fast as you can, and you need to be able to get back. Like that Paddy Durkin example where he chased back Matthew Tierney at the weekend and put pressure on him to prevent Tierney from getting the shot in on goal. An ultimate and a fantastic example of why we must be able to sprint maximally for longer distances than 20 30 meters because even if it just happens in isolation once every two games you better be prepared because that's when the risk is going to be highest for an injury and the big game moments happen at speed as well as that you see con kilpatrick running through and slotting that ball over the bar just beating everybody for pace like i've had tons of examples the last few weeks of players just absolutely busting their bollocks excuse the french to beat other players and being able to do so given that they potentially have a higher maximum velocity than the other players, better acceleration or better max velocity. We can't ultimately put it down to one or the other because I don't have the data. I don't have the GPS. I'm just assessing using my coaching eye. And I don't think that's conjecture. Like, Obviously, they're going to have to be able to execute under pressure on the game day, but we can put them in a position where they're able to execute and they have a better chance of executing through our training and through organizing our training effectively. So as well as that, what I will say is 
if we're going 20, 30 meters, okay, fine. We're developing acceleration. And some of them are going to hit max speed after 10 meters if they're GA players. But if we go 40, 50, even 60 at times meters, they're still working on their axle because they're getting exposure to axle at the start of that sprint. But they're also getting more volume of max of exposure to maximum velocity. And from my conversations with Alan, he goes for a 90 meters over 90% approach for development of max velocity. And how much of a 30, 20 meter sprint is going to be above max velocity? Maximally, maybe 10, 15 meters. So how many of them are you going to have to do repeatedly in order to get that 90 meter threshold in training? Quite a few. Whereas if I just run a couple of flies and they get 30, 35, 40 meters exposure and they do two of them with a rest period of three to four minutes or whatever in between, depending on the distance, then it's going to be more efficient because my time is limited as a coach. I'm only going to have 10 to 15 minutes. So it's much more efficient to do a couple of reps above and beyond what they might experience and expose themselves to consistently in a game than it is to expose them to multiple accelerations. Now we can do multiple accelerations and because we use a short to long approach, we do do them at the start of the season. However, after we've exposed them to that distance and we're comfortable with them covering that distance, then we need to lengthen it out and go a little bit longer in terms of what we expose them to. So this all brings me back to chatting about potentially like what it is that I am doing and why it's different, I suppose. And it is different, slightly different at least, and it only is allowed to be different because the coaches that I work with are so open and responsive to what I am pre presenting to them. They're ultimately okay with doing something in a different way because if we don't do it in a different way, we can't expect better results than everybody else. You can't expect better results than everybody else if you're doing the exact same things that everybody else is doing. So we don't ultimately have the secrets or the, the secret sauce or the keys, but if we implement a slightly different system and we implement it well and we focus on athletes feeling good and getting what they need and an individualized approach for each of them or as much as is possible in a group, then hopefully each athlete will be as in, in the best possible position individually, which will hopefully lead to a better team in the long term and more cohesion as a team in the long term. So a bit of a rant, not really a rant, but just a conversation in regards to that conversation that I had. And I hope there's some value in there. And that conversation that I had ultimately led to me inviting that coach over to see what we're doing because ultimately as i said he didn't have the full picture of everything that we're doing and it's hard to cast judgment when you don't see exactly what other coaches are doing other teams are doing because you're ultimately on the x you're on the outside looking in so i invited him to come and shadow and see what we're doing and he was quite receptive to that which was awesome and i always invite loads of 
coaches to come and shadow and see what we're doing. And some of them take me up on it and some of them say they'll come out and then they never get around to it. But ultimately, like, as I said, we're not doing anything mad, but only through being open to having conversations with other coaches and athletes and whatnot, can we achieve the goal that I have set out for the business in improving the standards of SNC and athletic development in the GAA. We can't just hold it all to ourselves. We've got to show people the system. And I'm an open book in regards to that. I can chat away to anybody about what we're doing and chat about what they're doing. And that's how we get new ideas. That's how everybody improves. And I always talk about you want everybody else because how competitive I am. You want everybody else to have the same resources and to put 100% into it the same way that you are as an athlete, as a coach, as a person, but you still want to beat them because they can't implement it the same way that you can implement it and they can't work the same way that you will work and you still want to beat them at their best. You don't want to beat somebody that's not working their best because Ultimately, it might be a little bit egotistical, but you want your best to be better than their best. So if anybody does want to come out and shadow, please get in touch with me. I'd love for people to come out and shadow. We've had multiple people come in this year, which has been great because they offer a fresh perspective as well, which is awesome. But I've had a couple of coaches get in contact with me in the last month in regards to whether I would run a mentorship. And it was something that I kind of was not comfortable with doing at all. And I told them flat out, I was like, look, I don't think that's something I'll be doing at the moment. And then David Gray of DGR Rehab asked me to do a presentation on development of game speed for DGR Interactive, which I'm sure will probably be coming out this week. And I've been on DGR Interactive and I know that I like the shorter presentations on that. So I tried to limit it to less than a half an hour, closer to 20 minutes. And there was just so much content that I had to get through in terms of my process for return to play and development of game speed that it got me thinking that, look, I probably would have enough content to run a mentorship if it was solely focused on my approach to athletic development and SNC for GAA. And there probably is a demand for that in terms of how do you go about working effectively as a head of athletic development or an, as an athletic development coach in GAA? And how do you provide more value to what is being done on the field? Because there still is a lot of coaches that or there still are a lot of coaches that aren't comfortable with coaching speed and change of direction on the field or even development of conditioning or applying principles of tactical periodization to training and having conversations with their uh, technical and tactical coaches around what the team is doing and understanding the games. So I have thought about it and it is something that I think I would be willing to put out there if there was demand for it. However, like my online coaching, I would like to keep it limited to a certain number of spots because I feel like if I deliver a really high quality service to a certain number of coaches, then it will lead to more significant change in their coaching system. And then I can get a new cohort in as a result of positive word of mouth because it is a good product.
And I think if I just sell as many people as I can and I have too many people in there, it might dilute the service. So it's something that I'm toying with this year. If it's something you would be interested in, I'm thinking currently it's probably in and around eight to 10 weeks long with a different module every week. And similarly to what Alan did, I would look at potentially an online and a hybrid model in that the coaches that were in there could potentially come up and shadow and see what we're doing and see how we apply it in person as well. But it's very much just a thought at the moment, but it's what Dave has kind of been pushing me to do as well. He's like, you need to try to coach other coaches on your system and teach them because me having worked in third level education previously in terms of lecturing and biomechanics, like I've seen that some of what is being taught is a little bit outdated and it's a little bit more difficult to apply it to what you're actually doing as a coach. It's very much just theoretical. Whereas when I was teaching and lecturing, I was trying to make it as practical as possible for the people in the module that I was lecturing in because I feel like you need to be able to see how it transfers, how to apply it. And that's similarly why I have success in terms of my adherence or my athletes adherence to programs in that I break down the in-game movements and then show them how we get there. You've got to see how it transfers and how it translates. And I think that has improved adherence of my athletes. And I think it could potentially improve people's coaching systems in that they could see right, this is the sport. This is what the athletes need to be able to do. This is the way the team is going to set up. This is what I need to be able to focus on and develop as a coach. And it's not just what we're doing in the weight room. Sure, we could probably talk and do a module on weight room development. However, that's a very small part of what we do as SNC coaches and athletic development coaches, at least in my perspective going forward. I think we, and as Alan has said, I think we need to stop just being comfortable in one place in the weight room and not being comfortable and letting the athletes figure it out themselves on the pitch because we're not comfortable going out and developing in that regard. And I would certainly like to help some coaches, I think, if they are unsure of that, to develop in that regard. So if you'd be interested in that, drop me a DM. We can have a conversation about it. And if there is demand, potentially that's something that I would put together. Other than that, if you're on DGR Interactive, shout out to David. Check out my presentation. And if you have any feedback for me or any questions for me on that, then shoot, just shoot me a DM as well. In regards to online coaching, if you're an athlete that has listened to this conversation, then I have three spots available currently for online coaching in July. If you want to grab one of those spaces, then make sure to drop me a message. I've actually been getting a lot of messages and scheduling a lot of calls in the last week or so so that's all going well so people are seeing value in what we're doing and they're interested at least so they may be sold very very quick people might snap them up but if you want to jump in for august or even for off season then we can have a conversation around that as well or if you simply just want to pick my brain in regards to what you're doing i'm happy to do that too that's how we improve the standard of the care for the gaa athlete overall and that's ultimately the goal so a lot of rambling there for you guys today but i hope you've enjoyed it and if you did enjoy it please remember to like it share it and send it